What? I, sorry, but I, I, I think we went to high school together. At the same time? Yeah. You're Mavis Gary? Mavis Gary Crane now. I'm Matt Freehoff. Uh, my, my locker was actually next to yours all through high school. Matt. Freehoff, yeah. Yeah, your, your locker was right there. Right next to mine. We didn't run in the same circles. You were, you were pretty popular, if I remember correctly. You won best hair. Did I? What did you win? I didn't. Uh, they usually give out like 15 of those, only to like the same five people. So joining me once again, and I don't know really why, because <laughs> the last time we talked about what dead dogs, a dog graveyard, <laughs> yeah. we talked about the unfortunate inclusion of a lot of Civil War references and a rom-com. Mm-hmm. So we don't have that here. We're in uh, Minneapolis. We're in Minnesota. So none of that. But Allison of Not Your Little Lady has been gracious enough to come back on the Grand Gesture to talk about young adults. So thank you for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so... Like I told you before, I was not projecting anything of this character on you. I don't know that much about you. Other than, you know, you sound awesome. And she's awesome, clearly. She is the hero of the story, at least my reading of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought, all right, this kind of fits with the title, the theme of your podcast, because our main character in Young Adult is definitely, uh, she's not your typical little lady. She's not acting like it so uh, if they missed that sweet home alabama episode and they're starting with young adult tell uh, <laughs> listeners a little bit about your podcast so my podcast is uh just about women living in the south outside of socially accepted norms and also women who are doing super cool things in the south and for instance my last episode is with my mom who is a custodian and has been for 19 years and i have her talk a little bit about the things she's experienced in that field and yeah, it's it's really fun. We have a Who's That Lady from History that talks about a lesser-known woman from history, and we talk about things that pissed us off, which okay, is a lot of different stuff. <laughs> so maybe that's maybe that leads us into young adult a little bit <laughs> because our main character, I guess that's the meet cute here. Uh, at least it gets the ball rolling. Is that she has sent an email? Uh, so a little bit dated, probably. Uh, yeah. picture that she uh, can't really print out, at least not a very pretty <laughs> version. She's spitting into her like ink cartridge to get just like just enough details. And let's be 100% honest, nobody ever has ink in their printer, which is why I no longer have a printer at my house. No, no. I, I, I'm trying to think. I think the only time I ever had one, I hated it. I mean, I've, I've never been like, oh, this is such a great experience with this printer. Um, yeah. I've never had a former... Uh, especially high school flames send me an email of their newborn baby. No, meaning, I mean, most of my, most of my lost touch with because they're super big rednecks and I'm not really into that, but yeah, I don't, the most I've seen of that is like Facebook, but that's like, they're not sending it directly to you. So it is a little weird to begin with that he does send, or I guess his wife sends it. I was rewatching it today, just like kind of had it on in the background I think his wife sends the uh, baby announcement. Okay, so that's that's my first question to you. Do you think this came out in 2011? So this is well after something like a Facebook. Do you think it's like something that maybe it was written before, or just something they didn't want to consider as far as maybe these people aren't connected into social media? Because I'm wondering, what are we supposed to read into? this picture of this baby because our character of uh, Mavis played by Charlize Theron, like that's the first scene, her reaction is she gathers like this friend who's not incredibly warm or giving and is like peppering her with questions about the meaning of this. Like she basically takes it as an aggressive act and then decides to respond with aggression by going back to her hometown to try to break up this marriage. Yeah, I can see how it would be approached as something aggressive, but this is 2011, and I don't think a lot of people over the age of, like, 28 had Facebook at that time, and so I think that that would take one part of the equation out, so he's not going to send it over Facebook, or not going to, like, tag you in Facebook, and she's from a small town, like, they all know each other, and so you know, maybe they send it to her because it's like, oh, like, let's include everybody because everyone knew everyone from high school. I don't know that it was 
petty or anything like that. <laughs> I think that it, I think that lady, I don't think the wife could be petty, like, cause she just doesn't care. <laughs> you know? Well, and you know, that, that kind of will, as we'll see later in the film, her, um, lack of having a reaction is almost even more angering to our yeah. character. Uh, I wondered if that's something like, is it, there was there something in your life you can think of where it's like, there's been something maybe innocuous that has been delivered to you. And you're just wondering like, why was this, why was this given to me? What, am, what is my reaction supposed to be to this? That's fallen into my lap. Oh man. I do feel like something happened like that pretty recently. What was it? Oh, well, no, <laughs> I was sent a text message by one of my roommates when I was in college that wasn't actually intended for mm. me. And so it doesn't really necessarily relate to that, but we didn't, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> because of the text message? Mm, because of that and a couple other things. <laughs> like it was, she was complaining about me to my other roommate <laughs> and I heard it, like she messaged me and I like just was in the kitchen and she was in the living room and I turned around and looked at her and I was like, I think you meant to send that to Whitney. And she was like, yeah, I did. And then she started trying to apologize to me. And I was like, no, mm -mm, do not talk to me. Do not talk to me right now. What if she had texted the apology to Whitney? What if she had just continued like to pratfall? Like would that have? Just the wrong yeah. I mean, maybe that would have earned some points. Maybe that... it would have made it a little better. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as something that was like unintended, I mean, definitely living in a small town, like living in Florence where I did, there were some definite, like, I feel like miscommunications where things were said. And I was just like, was that for me or was that for everybody else? I don't know. <laughs> the earliest memory I have of something like this, and it sounds really stupid because I think I was like 11, maybe 12. And there was a girl at school. So we we're like in fifth or sixth grade at this point who sent me like a birthday party invitation that, and I wasn't really friends with her. And so first off I was like, I'm, I'm like way overthinking this. This is like a Seinfeld episode or curb your enthusiasm. Cause I was apparently a, a young Larry David, like at the time <laughs> where I was thinking now when I see this person at school, even though I don't know if I've had an actual conversation with her, do I have to go up and say, no, I don't want to, or can't like our first conversation has to be to deny you my presence, which shouldn't matter anyway. And then what really irked me was at the bottom, it said RSVP as if she really needed my answer soon. I'm like, we're not <laughs> friends. Like what? And I remember telling my mom this and she looked at me with like, I think she was, she was like deeply concerned about me. Like why I was like analyzing it that much. That's my cue to basically say, even as 11th or 12, you know, 11 or 12 year old, I think I would have totally understood Mavis with this. Like, I think I would have been the person that would have overanalyzed why something like a baby picture that most people would just click away. I think I would have yeah. been like, what does this mean? And I would have made it about myself. If, if an ex ever sent me, or if an ex's like wife or a baby's mom ever sent me something like that, I would be like, are they being catty? Like, are they trying to get a rise out of me? Is this a sign? Like, what is this? Like, I wouldn't email is super personal and like tagging <laughs> someone <laughs> as far as that's concerned. <laughs> I mean, every time I send an email, it's very personal. <laughs> I, I always request on these podcasts, prefer an email. Anytime we mention the email address, which is like, has been twice on like 30 some episodes, it's like, yeah, I'd really prefer it because, you know, a tweet is just some throwaway thing. An email would require some thought and yeah. I would, I would give thought back. I know it, I didn't establish that correctly by saying I hate young girls invite me to their birthday parties, but I'm saying now I've grown. I'm an adult. Please send me email. I'll respond like for this episode. I think it's a, it's a hard sell uh, initially. Maybe you and I are on a different path than most people. Cause I do think the film is basically setting up her as the villain. I think, I don't think most people are meant to. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, like look at like this as something like you should go there. You should put these people in their place. Psychotic prom queen bitch. Here's the deal. Buddy Slade and I are meant to be together, and I'm here to get him back. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's married with a kid on the way. No, kid's here. I'm cool with it. I mean, I've got baggage, too. I would keep all of this to yourself. I would I would find a therapist. That new baby of his is just darling. Have you seen it? Up close? Shot. I know what? Oh my God. 
You are a piece of work. Can I help you find something? I'm going to a rock concert with an old flame. Let's show him what he's been missing. No, he's seen me recently. He knows. But his wife hasn't seen me in a while, so... You can come to the city with me like we always planned. Mavis, I'm a married man. No, we can beat this thing together. <sighs> Maybe a bit immature. You shouldn't their life. <laughs> I mean, it definitely was immature, but like, as I was telling some of my roommates earlier tonight, I feel like I am like one step removed from Mavis. Like, I knew it. I knew it. I really do. <laughs> Like, I don't think I would do, like, a half the terrible things that she's done, but I've totally had thoughts that she's had, like, throughout throughout that movie. I was like, I relate to that. And I think if I had been popular and, like, super cool in high school, I could have been her, like, now. But I was, like, class secretary and, like, blushed when I was <laughs> called on in class. So <laughs> I was not Mavis by any, by any means in high school. But, like... A lot of it presents like how I'm going to get dark again. Um, but a lot of it, I think, presents how when you're like 38 or even like early 30s and everyone like starts coupling off and getting married and having kids, it can be really isolating and really lonely. And I think that movie that the movie portrays that well, even in the first couple scenes. So, yeah, I think uh, it's important they set up that, you know, she's going to come back to town and everyone's going to be like, oh, you moved off to. Minneapolis and like, yeah, you're an author now. Like they have slight details of her life. They just know that she went off and they think she's doing something cool. And she definitely wants to remind them of that, but that's not the way we're introduced to her at all. I believe Charlize Theron is introduced um, face down on the bed in like sweatpants and yeah. like you know, she has a dog she's ignoring in her apartment. That poor puppy. <laughs> uh, she wakes up and I think she isolates the dog on the balcony, like feeds she it, does. and then forgets about it, uh, and cracks up on a two liter of mm-hmm. soda. So this and is turns not... on like the hills or something like that. <laughs> not glamorous, not glamorous. Like no, <laughs> the most activity she's getting, I think, is playing like wee bowling or tennis or dancing or something like by herself, yeah. like something that you would see kids playing on like a commercial, and like they're like jumping up and down, yelling. She's doing with like a robot face, like she's completely stoic, like going through the motions. Yeah, and so I thought it was really interesting because I feel like. Normally in this type of thing where you see like I guess a mean girl get her comeuppance, the turnaround is like that she has it all together and then we see her sort of break down. Like I'm thinking of like the um I can't remember the actress's name, uh Button Bridesmaids. Have you seen mm-hmm. like uh the new best friend that Kristen Wiig is like basically like trying to sabotage? Like the uh-huh. um Oh yeah. Rose yeah. Byrne, that's her name. Yeah. You know, she has it all together. And then later on the film, she starts crying in front of Kristen Wiig and sort of like drops the mask a little bit. I really love that in this movie, there's really not a mask to begin with. Like we see her put her face together and her like appearance. But that's not the way the audience knows her. The audience knows her as, as you said, kind of isolated, lonely, and extremely bitter. Yeah. Still embracing who she is, though. <laughs> well, I was about to say that's extremely attractive to me. Like, I love, I love that sharp edge she has of cynicism. I mean, it's, it's so honest. Like, it's so, it's so honest. <laughs> Maybe it's me. I don't know. <laughs> so she goes to town, and I, I guess the actual meet cute, uh, if you want to call it that, is when her and her former high school boyfriend of Buddy Slade, which is a great like high school boyfriend name. Mavis, Buddy? not so much. Mavis does no. not bring to mind like the queen of high school. No, Mavis is kind of like a, it's enough. It makes me think of the color, like, like gray Brown. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that name makes me think. <laughs> I feel like that's another cue that, uh, she's the villain yet again. Like, it's like, she's the, the wicked witch here. Like Mavis. She's Charlize Theron, but she's still Mavis scary in this movie. So buddy Slade, they meet for drinks at what? Six o'clock. I think is the determined time. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause he, it's before, I think it's before he has to like, his wife has to pump or something. 
<laughs> yeah, this is not <laughs> this is not setting off alarms like an affair is about to happen. <laughs> oh no! Well, and she orders what does she order like two like Jack Neat or something like that? Like whatever drink she orders for them, he's like, oh, I haven't done that since high school or since college, and she's like, yeah, me neither. Except for it's what she's been drinking the whole time. <laughs> and then he goes he goes and gets them beers instead. I uh, my my wife took issue with that. Cause she, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if she was like, she doesn't really like the Mavis character. Cause we watched, um, Tully that came out this weekend, uh, with Charlize Theron. It's the same, same writer and director combo. And she much preferred that because it's, uh, well, obviously it's a little sweeter because it's hard not to be sweeter than the, than the Mavis character. Um, <laughs> but she actually took issue with Buddy here played by Patrick Wilson. He's like, why would you invite her for a drink? And then sort of like reprimand her for like, ordering a drink like there it's weird to me because i feel like she's definitely playing a part she's playing up her success but mm-hmm. i also kind of get the impression that like buddy here is like really embracing the role of like settle down dad like the re like the line you just used where he's like oh i've not done that since i was a child and now i'm an adult and it's like people yeah. keep sort of like putting her in her place and yet again i kind of side with her because i feel like they're you know they're sticking the mud and why do they keep bringing up like how mature they are now yeah and like i mean they're boring like like <laughs> she says when she leaves the bar what is she what, I, I just i just like tagged her like tweeted tweeted it tweeted it like 30 minutes ago she's like no he is a baby that's boring <laughs> <laughs> and i was like yes yes she's right but like i don't know i think sometimes people can be a little he was he's a little smug and like is I mean I can see because of stuff that's revealed later on how that's super hurtful to um, Mavis because of things that happened in their past. But I mean I throughout the whole movie I really like Mavis. <laughs> I like her in that scene. I like her in like and I really she's flawed, but I really like her. So do you do you maybe not agree with her quest? But like, is there any point in the the film where you? Uh, are rooting for her to like continue to to meddle because there's the, the other character played by Patton Oswalt that she meets at another bar before the the big meet cute, uh, yeah. and she lets him in on her plan and he's basically like the Greek chorus that's like please don't do this <laughs> this is a bad idea uh, yeah. and she's actually brutally honest with him like she reveals herself she just says I'm unhappy I think this would make me happy um, mm-hmm. and he's very honest with her. But other than him, I, I think if you remove him, I, I don't think I would have any reservations about her messing with these people. Because I'm like you, I feel like they are kind of condescending, and yeah. I want to see them shaken up a little bit. Pat Oswalt yeah. is the only one that convinces me because he just seems like a normal dude and a nice guy. That's like, okay, maybe this is a bad idea. Maybe, maybe yeah. don't do this. And she needs to go to therapy. That's what he yelled at her. <laughs> Which I think probably yes, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily agree with the quest um, by any means, especially <laughs> of solving a marriage. Like we can fix this together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't agree with that. Although, I mean, I've had some. There have been some relationships in my past where people have not been a hundred percent honest with me, and they've actually been married while I've been dating them, but I didn't know. Swear oh, to wow. God. No, <laughs> that's like a movie. That's like a thriller or something. Yeah, it was. It wasn't very fun. <laughs> he got served his divorce papers. I'd be with my ex-wife, and I was like, "Wait, what?" And then he got back with her, and then two weeks later, he was texting and calling me again, and I was like, "No, like you must, you missed your chance, dude." <laughs> I feel so, like. like- <laughs> normally at the end of the show i'm like you got anything like this and it's like we're just gonna like we'll be done by the end of the show we'll be like all right so uh that's all the real life drama there so i think in a sense the reason i can relate to mavis so much is because of a couple of things i've been through like i can i can relate to that bitterness really well um but yeah i don't really agree with her quest i do think that like maybe uh Buddy shouldn't have been meeting up with her at the bar to have a drink, even if they were just friends, or bring his wife along with him, or like bring a friend with him. I feel like that kind of does give her 
a little bit of the wrong idea, even though he does keep talking about his wife and like baby and things like that. So did I answer your question? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I think there's, you know, I have my doubts about how oblivious he is. I I think it's hilarious. I think Patrick Wilson plays oblivious really well. There's another movie. I don't know if it would (laughs) suit this podcast at all, but it is about two separate married couples and living in the same neighborhood and Kate Winslet and Patrick Wilson, both decide to cheat on their spouses because they're they're the stay-at-home parents in a way. They meet at the park. And so he's like the, you know, he's uh, I think he's going to law school or trying to pass the bar. And uh, mm-hmm. she's you know doesn't have a good relationship with her husband. That one, he's a little bit more proactive uh, than here, certainly, because he actually acts on it. Um, yeah. But that seems to be his bit in movies is to play like the kind of handsome uh, married man who's kind of clueless or at least projects that he's clueless. Yeah. I, I do think, you know, if, if he knows about the baby picture, which she brings up, mm-hmm. I, that that should be some sort of flare that goes up. That's like, okay, what? Yeah. Like, and when it's revealed later, like how serious the relationship was and what happened then when they were a high school couple, yeah. uh, maybe he should be reading the signs. Certainly it's revealed later. His wife is more aware than he is about, Mavis and her intentions and that there's something wrong that she's not happy. Yeah. I just don't, I don't think he cares. And I I think that makes me root for Mavis more (laughs) to destroy him, (laughs) not to get with him, but to destroy him. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she's a really sympathetic, like not sympathetic in a sad way, but she's like, she has so many things to like sympathize or like empathize with as far as her character is concerned. But I do think too, another meet cute is when she did meet up with uh, Matt, I think was his name. In the bar, like Patton Oswalt. Um, I think that was a, like a meet cute, like maybe like a friendship meet cute. Cause like he remembered her and they talked and drank and had a good time and like bonded with each other. And like a review I read of the movie said, like they're bitter, like characters who've been like, you know, life hasn't necessarily been like the best to either of them. Like it's been worse to Patton Oswalt character. But like I do think that because they're bitter, that it makes them way more interesting. <laughs> and I want to hang out with them. I don't want to hang out with those parents. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because I think most movies, and even with Mavis, uh, there's probably, the filmmakers are probably chiding the characters for not getting beyond high school. You see a lot of, especially like high school reunion type movies where people are kind of stuck in that mm-hmm. identity or they reclaim that identity. And it's weird that the Pat knows what character is so likable when he's just as stuck if she is yeah. like he's trapped by like what happened to him in high school where he was uh assaulted by this i think it was a group of boys that did it some of mavis's boyfriends i think is what it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and she has no no memory of other than it's cool that he got to miss school like he is you know physically uh impaired for life but that's what she mm-hmm. remembers was that he got to basically skip and that's cool um yeah, he's trapped by it, and she wants back in. And it's weird to me that he's so interested in her, or that he even allows her to hang out, because you would think that they're diametrically opposed. Like, you would think he would be incredibly offended by someone that wants to relive, like, the worst days of his life. Yeah. But then again, she was, the like, the popular girl, and now she's, like, wanting to hang out with him. And drink his, uh, his bourbon he makes in his garage, <laughs> <Yeah>. and... <laughs> plays his action figures that he paints himself and yeah uh, for him maybe it's like reliving high school but like taking it back to being like oh look at me now i'm hanging out with this girl who was super hot and he's a really sad line about that like where you know and she's it's a it's a moment where uh you know she's i guess at her lowest and she I, i can't remember what her line is but it's you know something to effect of like why would he want her basically in that state that she's in and he's yeah. like guys like me are born like always wanting like girls like you like it basically it doesn't matter like how awful they've been or are in that moment like it's just like this curse um yeah. and i think in most movies you would root for that guy like no no get away from her like you know, mm-hmm. but it, i think the movie succeeds in making it okay for them to console each other just in that one moment like i don't i never want them to like stay together but i think like okay this is okay right now this is okay for like 10 minutes yeah i mean because he's he's stuck in that town like he's stuck there he's not leaving he'll be there and like 
nothing like from experience, nothing changes in small towns unless someone new comes in and then it's fun. And then they either like, and then they most of the time will leave. Is what happens. Are we talking about like a footloose situation where it's like we get the one like sexy rebel who turns the town upside down. Yeah. <laughs> like seriously, when I lived in Florence, it was like, if someone new moved into town, every girl, it was, it was a dude. Every woman knew who it was and you knew within like probably two weeks whether or not they were single. And then if they were single, like every girl, every woman in town would be hitting on <laughs> And if they were single and like moderately attractive, every woman in town would be hitting on them because it's so small. And I think that I feel like that's how it is for him. Like he knows what his options are. Why not just have fun one night with uh, Mavis? And then just be like, okay, bye. <laughs> it's it's definitely a little bit like that with uh with Mavis, where you see Patrick Wilson's wife, like the the band, uh, the way they look at her <laughs> is like she is a predator that has come to stalk the town. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's really interesting that they're they're sort of keyed into that. That that could be slightly it could be problematic. I mean it's it's definitely a broad comedy at times where it's like the caddy women are like hating yeah. on this other woman. I, I do think it's saved by the wife, Beth, just being like, I'm totally confident in my marriage. Like, I think this is a sad individual. Like, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe she'll learn something here. Maybe she won't, but I'm not, I'm not going to antagonize her. And I think, I think if she antagonized her in any way, it's a very different movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would totally, like it would, it would vilify uh, Mavis. Like she'd be there and she'd be getting what she wanted. Yeah. And I think that the wife knows that. And so that's why she's like, yeah, you can drive my husband home if you want to. I'll stay out and drink with my friends because even though they do end up kissing, she knows it's not going beyond that because it's her husband and they just had a baby. So, <laughs> See, to me, that's the, that's the breakup scene. Because I think in other movies, it would feel like, okay, this is like Mavis wants it to be. This is the next step. Like I'm, yeah. I'm getting closer. And I, I feel like the way that is played, that that's as close as ever going to get with Patrick Wilson is like a drunken moment where he just kind of goes with a kiss. Yeah. And then the babysitter opens the door and yells at him. And he, yet again, playing stupid, just sort of bumbles away. I don't think we, even as much as you like Mavis, you probably don't want to actually see this get into some sort of seedy affair. Uh, and then watch her sort of hang around. Because well, I think I think in the end he's he's not even what she wants. Like she just wants to try to like relive a time when she felt better. Do you get the impression she's even thought about him that much since then? Because it it feels like the way the film starts, it's like she didn't get that email. I always thought like oh she's so blocked that she's going to use any excuse to like not finish this one this part of her life this book series that's ending. Because after that's gone, she doesn't have that thing that she does. Like, I'm an author, and she's going to have to find something else. And so she puts all that energy into Buddy Slade, of all people. Yeah, I think that's definitely what she's doing. I mean, like I said, I don't think she she wouldn't want him, really. I don't think ever. It's just a distraction. Let's get to the, uh, <laughs> the grand gesture part, because I think it's hard to probably talk further without her showing up to... This, uh, I don't know, big baby party, right? Mm-hmm. Dressed like a mom. <laughs> With, like, her Stepford wife sort of mask of, like, makeup and, like, the hair, like, shows up on a mission like the Terminator, like, comes, like, storming in, walking through the house. With white burp claws. <laughs> yeah, it looks at a, I guess, a cuter animal gift and then goes with the generic, like, practical one. Like, basically to remind Buddy... Uh, you have a destructive force in your house that can't control its bodily functions. <laughs> this is your uh -huh. life now. Um, and then like immediately grabs him, wants some alone time, and then sort of eyeballs, I believe, the wife and the mother. Like she, she sort of makes like a, a big presence, her presence known as far as there like, I'm going to spend time with him. We have to have a conversation one-on-one. -on -one. And I guess it's because she thinks like it's over. Like their next step is to announce him moving to the city with her and like how they're going to work through that. Yeah. When she corners him in the room, uh, that's pretty uncomfortable. 
Because she doesn't really, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how she doesn't realize that that's not happening, like, after the kiss thing. I don't know. But she does show up, and she makes her, like, she, she mean girls through the whole thing. Like, she shows that she has power, even though she has none, and makes a scene. Do you feel like she's a really creative person? I mean, what we see of her, like, at her, I guess her job, as far as trying to, like, start slash finish this book, that's like, she's way behind on for this, for, you know, for teenage girls, presumably. I can't remember what they were based on. I, I know my reference point would be way off, but it's like, I don't know, like, Babysitter's Club, Sweet Valley High kind of style yeah. stuff. They almost seem kind of, like, gossip girly to me. Like, I don't know, did you ever watch Gossip Girl? I know. That's uh, Blake Lively, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. Yeah, it seemed kind of like a little bit like Gossip Girl, because like the one main character was like the queen bee in the book, and it was all about her. But really, it was just Mavis reliving her high school years. It, it's one thing I'll, I'll give the movie, because often when they do like a – movie within a movie or like, you know, the, you're, you're watching a person do something creative. Like you're like, well, that's funny to me in like a, a voiceover, but there's yeah. no, there's no way that would actually like be produced in that fashion for teenage girls to read because it's just too, too cynical. It's too hard hitting. I don't know. Gossip girl. You should check it out. <laughs> Maybe I will. Although that would, you know, I think my wife would be like, what, where did this come from all of a sudden? <laughs> Gossip so. Girl's pretty cynical. Um, I mean, it's meant it's meant for for teenagers, but the people in it look like they're like twenty five. But still, it's a teenager's book. So by like season seven, they're like mid thirties, and they're mm-hmm. yeah, they look they look old. All of them, all of them, they don't look like high schoolers. <laughs> I mean, that's a you know tradition in this country, right? Like Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero, they're like forty year olds riding motorcycles and going to the prom and all of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I, I, I'm looking at this, you know, I'm watching this movie and I, I think she has some funny quips. Uh, I don't, I don't know if they would make it into the book or not, or if this is just like her, you know, th- clearly all the stuff that's referenced when she's on her laptop, is just her own life, her own struggles with buddy. Like yeah, the pretty girl and no one understands her. No one gets her. How did it, like, did she get that much better? Or is everyone else just that much worse? That type of thing, like going back <laughs> to her high school days. But uh, watching it this time, I also had the thought that she's she's not giving the people in this hick town. Um, it's like she really just overlooks their creative pursuits. Like, okay, so you have Beth, you have Buddy's wife, who's in a band, and Mavis thinks it's like the corniest <laughs> thing ever. It's like a band full of like moms who, you know, when their husbands will watch the kids or they get a moment like to go mm-hmm. practice they're going to do this thing and you know, maybe it's something they did in their youth, what have you. And they sort of own it. Right. They own like, this is something, this is like a very small part of our life now. But yeah. Mavis looks at that as just like, if it's just a small part of your life, like just one thing, then it's almost not worth doing <laughs> at all. If it's not all consuming. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same thing she's doing though, reliving the past. <laughs> But they're just doing it in a healthier way because they're, they're not still living in the past. Like she's still like he says outside of the bar when I think they're getting in the truck to leave. He's like, you're you're just so pretty. And she's like, thank you. And he was like, everybody else, we've all just changed so much. Like we look so much older. We changed so much. But you're exactly the same. It's like, oh, that hurts a little. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they definitely played up. If you just like look at the poster. Uh, at least one of them. The one I've got up on Wikipedia right now, she's in a Hello Kitty shirt. She's wearing his, like, some sort of sport hoodie that he had. I don't know if he played soccer or football or what have you, and, like, pink sweatpants, and she's got her little dog in the back. Like, she looks, if she's 35, 36, somewhere in there in this movie. I think she's 38. Oh, wow. I only, rem- I only remembered that because I was like, oh, man, I, I gotta- I'm 31. <laughs> Gotta make sure I don't turn into that. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got you know seven years to, to, to work yourself up into prime Ooh. Mavis shape, uh, so don't worry, plenty of time. Um, but yeah, and someone that uh, she's watching, like uh, you know, the Kardashians or trashy reality television on there, she seems to be someone who's playing much younger. Yeah, which I think you can forgive for her job. 
when she's like overhearing like teenage girls and they, how they talk, you're like, okay, that makes sense because that's what she does. But yeah. instead it starts to feel like a woman who's just imprisoned herself in the end of her teenage years and like will not leave, will not come back from that. I think, I think that's different. I don't, I think you see that in movies a lot with men, but you don't see as much with women. I agree. I think, but I think the reason that it happened in the movie, I don't know if you want to talk about this yet, but like what she says at the end of the party. Yeah, we pro- we probably should. I mean, okay. spoiler alert for a movie that came out in 2011. If you're interested yeah. enough, you should probably watch it and stop listening <laughs> to us. Or at least me. You can listen to Allison. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but no, at the end of the party, she says, "Was it? did she have an abortion or did she have a miscarriage? Miscarriage. Um, yeah. And then kind of alluded to the fact that she she can't have a child or some that was basically it seemed like she was saying that was the reason that they broke up was like she couldn't provide a family for him which i don't know if we're supposed to believe that because she's definitely in a she's definitely in a heightened state of lashing out so i, I have no idea but yeah that is but mentioned I, I do think that miscarriage plays in part a huge part in who she is now because like that was something that was probably really traumatic for her like she thought she loved buddy Buddy, yeah, she thought she loved Buddy, and they were teenagers, and then she had a miscarriage, and her whole life changed, and, like, it doesn't sound like he wanted to be with her anymore. So she has a little bit of arrested development because of the, what she went through, and so I think that is why she, she is how she is, because of that. So it makes her, like, a super sympathetic character, in my opinion, only because that's the reason that she's that way. Well, I mean, I don't think it's hard to envision a young buddy at 19 or 20 not having the the skill set to uh, to deal with that or to provide any sort of comfort to yeah. someone else going through that or or to handle his own emotions because he just seems like a guy that um he's just asked for like the simplest thing in life and that's okay with him so if you if you are not simple then you're like what she says at the end of the film is that you're good here. She's using that as a compliment slash ultimate put down to, <laughs> to the sister of the Pat Oswalt character. Um, yeah. But it almost, I mean, it really should be directed at him. That's like, he, he's someone that would not know how to operate in a world. That's probably too far removed from like where his parents live or mm-hmm. someone else who will take care of him and sort of point him in the right. I mean, he even works with his dad, right? Or has lunch with him. Yeah. Like he's, he's also someone who's kind of maintained the lifestyle of childhood to a certain extent, like dealing mm-hmm. with the same people. Um, uh, so yeah, I would, I would say buddy, <laughs> it's probably for the best that not that the miscarriage happened, but yeah, I can't imagine, I can't imagine the unhappy marriage that would take place between Mavis and buddy if they were still together almost 20 years later. Yeah. Cause I mean, she, she, she left. Like there's a reason people leave small towns. That's not, I mean, you don't just stay in a small town if, if you don't want to. I mean, after basically. two weeks, you know, if the, the only cute man is single or not. Exactly. <laughs> it's time to go <laughs> prowl the countryside, like <laughs> characters from Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> She's way better off in Mad Max. <laughs> really cool haircut. Yeah. Really cool outfits. Like, way more badass. <laughs> she's, uh, yeah, but she's equally as, uh, decisive in both. As far as I'm going to go there, that's, I'm yeah. no longer going to be here. I'm going to go there. Yeah. Forward motion in both. You know, maybe if things were just a little bit more hospitable down south in my broken body. Buddy and I would be here right now with a teenager and probably even more kids because we always found each other. Always. Right, Jen? Tell them. The fuck? It's a new drum set for Beth. What's wrong? Nothing. Nothing? What do you mean, nothing? My God, what is wrong with you? Are you like one of those little kids who need a fucking chart to learn feelings? Stand up for yourself. Why are you covering for me? That's enough, Mavis. You're drunk. Oh, I've been drunk since I've been back, Mom, and nobody gave two shits until this one got all bent out of shape. Mavis, what the hell's going on? Why did you invite me? 
I didn't invite you. My wife did. Beth practically forced me to call you. She feels sorry for you. We all do, Mavis. It's obvious you're having some mental sickness, some depression. You're very lonely and confused. So Beth made me invite you here, even though I knew it was a mistake. I knew it. Oh. You're lying. He's not. What about now? You hate me now? Hmm? Because it should be easy because I fucking hate you. Look at you. What is wrong with you people? Mavis, honey. You know, I, I came back for you. For you. And I hate this town. It's a hick lake town that smells of fish shit. But I came back. I just wanted you to know that. It's it's a difficult movie to sort of wrap up because her grand gesture is also like sort of played as the, I guess, the meltdown moment, the like really uncomfortable uh, where she puts it all out there. But it's interesting the way the movie plays it because even her parents are there, which... <laughs> It's like really off-putting to me that they're small town. <laughs> yeah, like oh, your ex-high school boyfriend who clearly has done a number on you with this baby picture. I, I guess we'll go to that party too because we've got nothing else going on, so we'll show up. Uh, but no one really comforts her. I think in this movie you expect someone to like have some words or something to say, but yeah. she <laughs> she snaps back at him quickly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and then she goes to hang out with uh, Matt and his sister. And I think that they're like, they're the comfort that she probably actually needs. Cause she's not going to take it from anybody else. Cause she already had like, she, when she had lunch or dinner or something with her parents, like she tried to talk, like she had to have, tried to have a real conversation with them. by being like, I think I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and they just breezed over it. Like, it was nothing. <laughs> like they're like, Oh, we're not going to talk about that. And then like, but like that Matt guy, he would talk to her about those kind of things. So he's what she needs as far as comfort's concerned. So she goes to him. I mean, yeah, he doesn't have too much problem with her alcoholism as long as she's not drinking his like eight year old aged bourbon. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> named after uh, the Star Wars uh, cantina. Uh, <laughs> so this comes to me, it comes to my, my favorite scene. So after the grand gesture that just blows up in her face um, where she demands a drink and her, her rival, the, the wife of Buddy Slade uh, ends up getting her said drink. And then through perfect timing, just spills it all over her, uh, which gives her the ability to, I guess, go off on her and air out mm -hmm. all of her grievances. She comes back. She has this sexual encounter with Matt. And I think it's probably for the best that he's still sleeping when she gets up because uh, even that's not, you know, fixed her or fixed this problem. Like it, it was comforting in the moment, but she still is just as torn up and sort of misplaced. Doesn't really know where to direct her energy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this horrible sister character. That is <laughs> Take me with you. She is like the, uh, I, I mean, it's a weird, I don't think in horror movies, like in slash movies, you have a sidekick because it's always like the one lone maniac with a knife. Yeah, But if you could, she would be it because she's been lurking in the shadows the whole time. When she Even first, in high school. <laughs> first meets Mavis, she doesn't really know why this, you know, the, this high school monster slash queen is back at her doorstep and mm -hmm. then has this awesome face when Mavis has no interest in her or, or her past grievances with like what she did for her. Just wants to talk to her dorky brother who's in the garage, and I love her. Like that—that that, that should be my Twitter avatar. Is that woman's face? <laughs> Mavis <laughs> wants to go hang out in the garage with that nose wall, but she's the one that gives this big speech that sets Mavis straight. 
And I remember watching this in the theater. Straight-ish. <laughs> well, I remember people, like, there weren't that many, but the people that were in there did not care for this um, <laughs> teaching moment <laughs> where yeah. she basically tells Mavis, why are you worried about people in this small town? Uh, they're nothing. Might as well die. <laughs> Might as well die. <laughs> And I don't think the people in my, you know, smallest city liked being told. Because this came out over, I saw this on Christmas night with my sister. Like, we did all the family stuff. Uh And then we were both like, uh, I don't know, what do you want to do? I was like, well, let's go see a movie. Like, you want to see a young adult? And so we went to watch it. And we loved it. Laughed and laughed. I remember my sister being uh, the guy that was, like, selling the popcorn said, are you Jewish? Like, like there were only like someone who like, like if you, if you celebrate Christmas as this like ultimate, like <laughs> capitalist holiday, you celebrate uh-huh. the entire day of Christmas. Like you just open and spend and give. And the fact that we were seeing young adult must mean, oh, you're not observing this holiday. And How dare you go see this movie? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what are you doing here, man? You're like, you're just it's not one of those wholesome <laughs> ones. You can't see this on Christmas. Yeah. Like, I've, you know, we already saw the Muppets. Sorry. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I remember watching this on Christmas night and maybe that played into it, but the people that walked out are here cursing and grumbling, like, you know, hated the ending. Like that was terrible. Like how could they end it like that? And I, I love it because <laughs> Mavis doesn't win, but she hears exactly what she needs to hear in that moment that she's fine. Even yeah. though she's probably not. No. I mean, I think, I do think a lot of, um, society in general tries to push you into doing the whole family thing. And like, I think that some people maybe aren't fit for that. And I think she's one of the people that isn't fit for it now. Maybe she would have been in the past, but that's probably why they were so mad. Cause they, they wanted to see her be redeemed. They wanted to see her like be like two years down the road and found somebody in like Minneapolis to like get with and have a family with, but she's like, nah, I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing because she's like, I don't know. Maybe there's some people, I think there are some people who don't really mind being a little more uh, bitter and angry throughout life. I think some people work better that way. Not me. <laughs> what, what do you think we care so much? I, I mean, certainly in movies, uh, we're programmed to want to see characters pair off. Why would we care if Mavis is <laughs> alone in her apartment watching the television that she enjoys even if we don't agree with it or we don't think it's like of any value writing books that maybe you don't read but you're not the target demo what what, why would that bother us (laughs) this person that is maybe a little destructive that she just she decides to go back to her castle like a monster and live out her days like dracula (laughs) (laughs) i think overall people want to see end of movies be happy and i think that the way a lot of it's a lot of movies are presented the way that people end up happy is to be like eventually like reach what everyone that thinks is the normal thing to do like but she doesn't she doesn't she doesn't have to be happy because that's life like they don't want they don't want it that's what it is people don't want to see true life in a movie <laughs> What happened with Mavis is true life. Like, but what happens in other movies, I think, is more, oh, well, she was just, you know, so sad and like, you know, depressed and an alcoholic. But then we get to see like the fast forward in one year where she's like not drinking anymore and like has this new job writing for a magazine where she's making a ton of money, (laughs) like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I understand people wanting catharsis, especially in a a movie. You want to live events and you know a two-hour time span that would be probably really traumatizing even like a rom-com like uh, like Notting hill that would be like a lot of really traumatic events in your dating life as far as like the makeups and the breakups like to have your like emotional spectrum be so all over the place in the span of that amount of time is not really that fun in a two-hour comedy it's pretty fun to have the ups and downs i think I think what I take issue with if people have a, a problem with this ending is that I I think it would be incredibly mean spirited if the movie resolves that this is a woman 
incapable of giving love, and so she's undeserving of receiving it. And she gets her comeuppance. Like, I, I, I would take no extra pleasure in her being refused by Buddy, being refused by her parents, and being sort of cast out in a way, unless it was by her own choice. The fact that it's her own choice, and that she, yeah. for whatever, you know, the skewed way she looks at it, it gives her some comfort and relief. I, I like that. Like, that's, that's fine. Like, you're getting what you want anyway. You're getting this character away from the hicks and the yokels. <laughs> so why can't, like, like I said, why can't we just have the monster in this monster movie say like, oh, I want to, I want to go back to the castle. I like it there. I'm good there. Yeah. But I think she, she does say that when that girl asks to come with her, she's like, come, <laughs> let me go with you. And she's like, ah, I don't want to bring any part of this back with me. Like, I want to just go back and keep being who I am. <laughs> So, <laughs> well, because it would, uh, it would eventually drag her down to be, uh, a lesser individual if she, you know, she would be the villain if she had someone from her hometown that she was judgmental of and bitter and sort of spiteful towards. Like, at the very least, now her, <laughs> like, that one glimpse we get of a friend in Minneapolis is someone that's like, seems very Mavis like. It's like, oh, yeah. so, you know, she surrounds herself with people like her, then that's fine. Let them mm-hmm. duke it out. They're in the same sort of basically weight class if they want to yeah. box it out. I mean, that's how city people are, right? <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're not like passive, that at all. <laughs> disinterested, <laughs> constantly just eating. Yeah. yeah, eating on a you know a sidewalk, a very small meal, very but they chew a lot. That's what I've seen. That's what they I've chew. taken from city movies. <laughs> People chew. chew too much. <laughs> it's so they don't eat as much. When it takes longer to chew, you just don't eat as yeah. much. Food. Yeah, I guess so. My opinion of Mavis is that I think life can be really hard. And when you're dealt a hand like having a miscarriage when you're younger, and you can't blame it completely on that. But life's hard and everybody's flawed. I don't care if they hide it. Or if they don't, like, because you can have a perfect family and have a baby and be exactly like Buddy and his wife. They're still flawed in some way. It's just that Mavis is okay with showing it. And I think that that's what I like about her, is that she is real. Yeah, I mean, that scene you talked about with her parents where she's like, I think I'm an alcoholic. Like, she's incredibly open about certain things that maybe if someone just would take her up on that... um, they would they would start to see like because she's weirdly projecting this image of success while also peppering in details of some real struggles that she's going through and people choose to just be like oh yeah, cool you have a cool life right that's what I hear so anyway nice catching up with you like they don't yeah, want to have bye. yeah basically um, and I, I think this is one of those movies like oftentimes you have to look past someone's looks because they're just like well everyone in movies they're really handsome or gorgeous or what have you, but they're, they are playing a part. Just look past the fact that it's weird that Charlie Theron is playing this role. I think this is actually like sort of perfect casting because every, everyone would expect her to just have it all together. It's like, yeah. Oh, you're, you know, as much as I like the, the like nerdy guy that Oswald plays Matt in the garage, like he's just as guilty of it, of just being like, Oh, her. Yeah. You've had it really hard. Like, you know, he doesn't, he knows nothing about her, but he just assumes that her life has been real easy. Now, his hasn't, <laughs> obviously. Right. But I, I also like, when I watch it this time, I'm like, wow, you're like, when you meet in that bar, he just like is kind of smug in his own way that he's like mm-hmm. smirking at her. That it's like, what are you doing back in town? Did you move back in town? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's what I do when people ask me when I go to Ringgold. I'm like, no, I didn't move back here. <laughs> Somehow, uh, I found the perfect person to uh, get inside the head of Mavis. I didn't even know. I just <laughs> <laughs> so I really appreciate that. Mm, no problem. <laughs> I'm comfortable with talking about my flaws. <laughs> well, I, you know, normally at this part of the show, I ask if there's like something in this film like that reminds you of one of your own experiences, which maybe is going back to a small town. Has there been any sort of weird projections people have like put on you? 
I think mostly like when I go back to the small town people here, I, I worked for a newspaper and it's like, oh, you're with the liberal media. And like they project <laughs> that kind of stuff on me. And like I do get a lot of the like, well, why aren't you married? And things like that. But I don't know. I feel like I can just relate. Like as far as all of this is concerned, like I just are going to relate to her and how bitter she is. <laughs> <laughs> I like really hard not to be bitter and keep it positive you know things can be hard for everybody like I said everybody's flawed it's just being comfortable with talking about it and like being comfortable and like maybe she's not she could spend some time evolving more as a human but which I think that I am a little bit more evolved than that character even though I really like her and I can relate to her a lot (laughs) but um yeah personally I don't know if I can really per- like. I mean, what I, the stories I've told are the most that I can relate to her. I think. I have a weird, um, and obviously, I was saying like a movie podcast. I have a weird attachment to like uh, pop culture that I did not create and had no involvement with at all. But I, th- I think it's somewhat common, probably more so when you're younger, like high school age, especially with like music or movies or things. Like, and th- so the scene that really grabs me is when they are in the the bar and they've gone to watch buddy's wife and her, her band uh, play. And the, the credit sequence is Mavis listening to this one song over and over again. As she's, it's like, I guess you're meant to infer even at the beginning, this is like her and her high school boyfriend's song. Cause it's like, why is she playing this one song over and over again? Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a lot of like eighties, like songs, like the replacements Aiken to be plays when she meets Matt in the bar and they're talking. I love that song. I wish that was a song that was playing over and over because I like it better. But <laughs> her, the look she gives Buddy <laughs> and Beth, his wife, for playing that song, and almost pointedly, and I don't think there's any way they would know that Mavis, like, even now, like, cherishes that song or, mm-hmm. like, a, you know, applies it to him and their love and their youth. Uh, but they play it for him like this is for you know for her hubby or whatever and that look she gives it is like someone just stabbed her (laughs) and that's that's the stuff i i totally got (laughs) i'm like it is stupid to think uh when you know people say they have like that's our song or that's you know that's our band we won't see or whatever movie on your first date is really stupid to take those things and somehow interject yourself into them but as a like a lover of pop culture I do with like a lot of different things with people and places and like my past. Oh yeah. I think it's impossible to not do that. Like there's so many songs that don't necessarily remind me of the person. Cause if I have, I've probably just made myself forget that because I like to enjoy the song <laughs> instead of the old person. But um, There's so many songs that remind me of places that like, it's, I think it's impossible to not do that. I guess the way that I can relate to that is that I've dated quite a few musicians and every time they get on stage, I'm kind of like, who are they playing that song for? Is that song for me? Did any of them write a song about me? And they never do. But and I've, I, my old roommate, we talked about that all the time. We were like, yeah, we secretly kind of hope our ex-boyfriends that are musicians write a song about us so we can hear it one day. But that's kind of like the, the way I can relate to that. I think I'm too much of a control freak. Like, I don't, like, I want a final cut on what the... Uh, what the lyrics were or what it sounds like because what if it's a song that's about you but you're like oh, that song kind of sucks like not even like the content makes me look bad but I don't even like to listen to that like that's just not something I would like you just don't date a terrible musician <laughs> they have to audition for me just in case we break up one day and I want the breakup song to be great that's a there's a lot there um, coming soon to the grand gesture high fidelity with John Cusack which is <laughs> very much about that so yeah um Allison has just booked herself to come on that show so she can talk about all the sexy musicians. Oh, okay, you can break it out. I have actually, well, I've started making a rule for myself like three years ago that I would not date musicians anymore because they're all the same. Would you like to promote your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> that thought? Yeah, um, well, I guess you guys listen to not your little lady there'll be some more of this i think i'm a little less funny on my podcast i think i might have been a, a little more funny on this one than i am on my own but we do talk about some really good like serious social issues and if you want to know what it's like to live in the south and be a woman and not 
fit into the mold, just as Mavis did not fit into the mold of her town, then listen up. Um, we come out, our episodes come out every other Wednesday, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, just generally every podcast app. And we're on Twitter at Ladies of NYLL and Facebook and Instagram at Not Your Little Lady. Goodness. I'm professional there. I'm <laughs> I get to the end of these. I'm like, at Grand Gesture Pod. That's right. I'm gonna kill kill whatever neighbor is out doing something. Probably a Patrick Wilson type. Probably he has no idea what's going on. (laughs) He's staring and just looking at the window. Probably tossing a ball in the air. That's driving my dog crazy. Uh Cracking open a beer while his wife's pumping some (laughs) breast milk. Staring at the sky, wondering what he could be doing instead of taking care of a baby. <laughs> Thank you.